What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Off Market Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Colbert Johnson. Today, we have a rare guest episode. We don't do a ton of them, but I thought there'd be a lot of value to a lot of you guys who I talk to that are realtors or investors and are growing your business. I have here with me Rachel Olson. I hope I didn't butcher your name, Rachel, um, who is a, a broker and investor in the Seattle King County area. And there's a lot of cool things we're going to talk about today, primarily how do you you know continue to equip more tools in your tool belt to help you scale and be more creative to keep your pipeline full. Because obviously, um, we are in a business that is dependent on pipeline and very fluctuates with uh, market cycle. So welcome, Rachel. Um, do you want to give us like a quick uh, maybe five to 30 second rundown of kind of your background, what your focus primarily has been on and how you kind of slowly started to incorporate kind of the off-market investor side of the world into your business? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I started in this industry actually on the mortgage underwriting side uh, right out of college. Mortgage underwriter to loan officer to realtor to team lead to managing broker. Um, and uh, I, I still do have the lending piece as well. So that's part of my tool belt, as you say. Um, and it's just cool. I have a lot of different perspectives and um, on, on how to get a deal done and working through with like off market operator and things like that. It's it's actually opened my eyes a lot on what more can be done. Like I was kind of working down this one specific channel and now I'm like, oh, look at all these different roads and avenues that you can just work through. It's, it's pretty cool. Love it. Appreciate it. What was the, so you've been a broker for a while. What was the ultimate switch that made you go, huh? I want to learn the off market side because I think a lot of the value here is there's so many brokers out there that are kind of been one trick ponies for so long. And that's awesome when the market's hot and everyone's referring their cousins, uncles, brothers, sisters to you. Uh, but then when the market cools down, rates go up uh, and you kind of get some stagnation. Um, a lot of agents and, and loan officers kind of where you start to end up going and getting other jobs or uh, completely essentially shutting down their business temporarily because of the fact that uh, they have no pipeline. So what was really that trigger for you that said, man, I really need to figure out um other ways to to bring revenue in uh to my business and if you guys are yeah. listening and you're, you are a realtor you do own a business a lot of you guys don't think of that but you do own a business yeah so that's a great question um my situation was very <laughs> like there was a pretty significant flip that switched for me and i had a baby just about 15 months ago and i went from being able to work whenever i wanted whenever i had a showing just kind of standard real estate transaction type stuff you know 60 80s are 80 hours a week if i wanted to to having my little babe wanting to spend a lot of time with her or just not really even be able <laughs> being able to be outside of the home as much as i as much as i wanted to and so i just was listening to podcasts and watching videos watching youtube stuff like that just stuff i do in my free time and then i was kind of like you know oh something something just connected there and i was like okay there's a whole different realm of business that i can do here and really just being a lot more focused on my time because what I when I was able to work 60, 80 hours a week, now my true focus is like 10 to four every day. That's when I have my nanny. That's when I'm really able to be super, super specifically focused. And um, just if I wanna work, I have to be able to do something from home in the evening, right? So that was the biggest uh, change for me. And the interesting thing that also the, that I've realized is like, there's only so much I could do with real estate transactions. You've spoken about this on some of your podcasts. Like you're just so confined to time. And like, this is a different sort of animal where you're able to leverage your time in a completely different way. Like you can do deals. Literally, I was sick last week and I did two deals from my couch, right? So it's kind of a cool 
just whole new sort of ballpark with regard to real estate deals and how they can get done. And there's like 17 different ways you can do a deal. And I just really hadn't thought about it before. So. And that that kind of non-traditional real estate, because I think a lot of people that start as brokers, they hear about wholesaling and flipping and it seems scary. A lot of the, the I think a lot of the um, call it culture, culture of real estate brokers in general is they look at that as unethical. They look at that as you're taking advantage of sellers. Did you have that switch you kind of had to flip for yourself of like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought or I had been taught? Or is it an easy transition for you to go from primarily retail to now incorporating kind of what a lot of agents refer to as kind of the dirty world of, of working direct to seller, off market, all that kind of stuff? So I have taken a slightly different approach with regard to the wholesaling piece. Um, I'm actually presenting these sellers. Uh, you know, if I come across an off market deal, I'm talking to them and finding out what their motivation is. So if they have time to go on the market, if they have time to fix up the property themselves and have the capital to do it, I'm going to do what's best for them. You know, if they need to close quickly and want money quickly, that's a different conversation. So it's really just finding their motivation. But I have the ability to sell standard retail, to get them an off market builder transaction, to close next week. Like it's, it's kind of cool that I'm able to talk to these people and have a few different options for them that just really fit their needs. So I don't feel like I'm in that like predatory realm. I think I'm literally just trying to come up with a solution for that specific person's problem. That's so important too, because that, that's the way I teach off market. Because a lot of there are, there are a lot of bad actors out there, right? That they, you know, they do border on equity skimming and on um, on being uh, dishonest with sellers. And I don't think that's the way to do business. So I, I think the way to look at it is exactly how you are. If you're a broker or if you're trying to add more tools to your tool belt, uh, all it's doing is giving you more solutions to help people with. And there's a lot of people out there. You look at Redfin data. You know, one in eight homes last year sold off market. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of people out there that need help in other ways. And um, a lot of most brokers can't provide that. So let's go into your first off market deal. What was that? What did that look like? So to walk me through the, how you got the deal, what was the beginning of it? What are the things you had to figure out along the way? And then the fun part, what did it end up kind of monetizing into for you? And, and uh, what did that do for you? So the first off market deal I did actually turned into a standard retail listing. And okay. I actually walked in hoping to sort of essentially flip the property. Maybe I wanted to flip it myself. It, was, it wasn't a, you know, a huge amount of work. Um, I presented the seller a couple of different options. Um, you know, we could sell it off market to a buyer for the number was uh, eight hundred seventy-five thousand, or you know, I can, or essentially we. Sorry, let me take a step back. Sell it for eight hundred seventy-five thousand, and so we kind of put it out there to see, like, are there any people that are interested in buying at this price point, this house? And from a flip perspective, there just wasn't a ton in the margins there for someone to come in and really flip the property. So we sort of took a step back, reevaluated, looked to see what we could do, just like a basic cosmetic refresh. And I helped project manage on that with him. He had the capital to do it and he had the time to do it. So we were able to put $42,000 into that deal. I made him an additional 185,000 with just that process, which is pretty cool. And on that one, I of course, I took a standard listing fee plus a project management fee on helping him kind of piece piece everything together there. But that ended up selling instead of 875, a million 60. And I, I yeah, so um, that was like kind of the first off market deal in terms of off market sale. Um, you know, I haven't been in this off market, you know, a buyer builder sort of situation too much. One of my original goals was, hey, I want to get these properties in front of builders and yes, have the transaction now when they close, but also have the list back in the future. So I'm building up my pipeline in a way I had never done 
for 25, 2025, 2026. And I have, you know, millions of dollars in volume on the board before I even get to that year. That was sort of my original intent and goal. And so we have on my team, so I have six of those in process right now. My team on, on my team, there's a few more that are in process as well. Same exact sort of plan, if you will. And so those are still in process. I mean, those are longer plays. They're a couple of years in the making. But I mean, when I look at the GCI that we'll make on the upfront deal this year, and then again, in the future, it's like, it's almost exponential. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So. I love that. And I know you're using easy button leads to create a lot of pipeline for yourself. Mm-hmm. Walk me through like, it's different. A lot of brokers, a lot, I have a lot of agents who listen to this podcast are trained on farming your area of, of a thousand people with postcards. They're trained on Zillow, buy leads from Zillow a cold call expired listings, but incorporating, you know, a cold call agency into your business to, to, to give you direct off market, direct to seller leads. One, how, what does that change for you? And two, my curiosity, where I think a lot of people will get value is what's your follow up process on these, right? How are you following up and how are you training your team to follow up with these sellers that are saying, yes, I want to sell, but then you need to dig in, you need to find their motivation, you need to dig into their timeline. Walk me through that. Yeah. So it's still a work in uh, progress, honestly. (laughs) Um, We're watching and listening to a lot of podcasts for best practices and trying to figure out, you know, I've I've been chatting with you a lot on like, what would you do here? Ultimately, the initial using easy button leads has been amazing. I mean, for anyone thinking about bringing in some off market type leads, like the ROI is insane. (laughs) I would highly recommend doing it. You know, we have, like I said, six deals in process. We have another four that have closed. Like it's just, it's kind of a no brainer. So the leads come in, um, we'll look at the property and we'll just kind of, you know, basically give the the seller a call, find out what their motivations are, try to have a conversation. And ultimately a lot of these people just want to have a conversation. If they're interested in selling, it's just like, get to know them a little bit, you know, figure out what they're interested or you know, what their motivation is again, what they're interested in, where they think they'll go. Is this a rental property or is this, are they living in the property? If they're living in it, it, it does become a little bit more complicated because there might be some logistics with regard to where are they going to go next? Again, we're, it's kind of like we've become problem solvers in certain cases. So following up, you know, not all of them are a hot deal. Like, Hey, let's get this done in the next month. But, you know, I just converted a deal that I had originally reached out to, I think in June of 2023, and we just got it under contract last week. So again, that was one of the ones from my couch, (laughs) but, um, you know, it was a conversation that I had been just nurturing. Right. And eventually, you know, just reaching back out and, and keeping up, like this was a builder transaction. So keeping the builder or builders, you know, if you have someone there, just keep putting things out in front of them and have them essentially make a verbal offer, go back to the seller and say, would you be open to hearing an offer at X amount? And, you know, in this case, the guy was like, absolutely. Like, that sounds good. You know, it took him five or six months to really get it, decide that he wanted to move on to the next thing. Um, so just nurturing, follow up, just becoming friendly and not seeming like you're trying to like skim a bunch of money. You're like literally are trying to help them um, move on to the next step in their life. So, well, uh, yeah, I think you know, to your point, leading with actual solutions is huge and yeah. everyone gets a lot of calls, right? The reality is you're probably not the only person that's talking to this person about selling their home. And, you know, I always say in my group kind of you want to follow up ruthlessly, like the idea is. You know, if, if you and I, we go online and we put our information into cargurus.com or Carfax or whatever, 
we're going to get calls 10 times a day for the next seven days of people of, of, of brokers trying to get us to buy a car. Same thing here. If someone ex expresses interest, I think you're, what you touched on there is the nurture and the follow-up is so important. Like you should be touching them several times a day because the reality, it's a pipeline game and it takes people, you know, people sell homes two, three, four times in their life, max. And so it takes a while for them to make that decision. So I think what you led with there, the nurture and follow-up is huge. Then also at the, on the back end being a problem solver. So getting them on the phone, um, getting their, their information about their situation and actually solving their problem. Like, do they have tenants that need to move out? How, do, how can you do, how can you add more? How can you hire a moving company? Um, help their tenants find a place. There's a lot of things you can do that get people on your side rather than just, you know, making them like a cash off listing on yeah, the market. Exactly. And, and one other thing, again, I mean, I'm, I guess going a little selfishly, if these people are moving in the, within the area and they want to buy a new house, well, guess what? I'm a real estate agent and I have a team of agents. So it's like, you know, you can kind of piece things together. And by then you've also built a rapport with them. They're trusting you to help them sell their home. So, you know, theoretically they should trust you to help them buy a home as well. Love it. So now that you have tool belt of, you know, you can go on market, you can go off market, you can do kind of a retail off market where you just connect them with a the buyer. You can also do kind of an investor kind of deal. You can do a builder kind of deal. Now that you have those tools, now you know how to get leads in the door. What is your real estate business now as, you know, as a business look like two years from now? Like in your ideal world, now that you have all these tools, you know, if we were having a conversation in January, 2026, what does your business look like? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest issues was inventory, right? So last year, it was a good year, but it was a down year for most people. Right now, I would say in 2025, 2026, I think my overall GCI will probably be four or five X what I was in 2023. And for a number of reasons, it's, it's a lot of it is that you're able to scale when you have, you preach systems and processes in place. And then it's just a different way of doing business and connecting with sellers at a higher volume even. So, you know, it's pretty cool. I, I, I'm, you know, I have a team. I am cautiously building up the team as well and bringing in key people that I think would be, um, you know, a good addition, right? Uh, so what I envision right now, if all else stays stay this, the same, it'll be a four or five X increase on my, on my GCI, but it could end up being more than that. Like with how things have gone and like, the amount of uh, traction we've started getting on a lot of this stuff, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, if you have, you know, four deals done, six in the works with on the off market side, just with, with, with lead flow too, I like, think there's a lot you can scale there as well on, you know, just your, your pipeline of volume only pick up. So, um, well, Rachel, I appreciate you hanging out for the last 16, 20 minutes or so. And what people want to reach out to you, whether they need help in the Seattle area, buying, selling, figuring out an off market transaction, or they want to follow what you do, what your team does, where can they best reach out to you and follow along? Feel free to Google me, Rachel Olson, real estate agent, uh, the Rachel Olson Group. And then my number, um, I don't know if you want my phone number, 206-794-1045. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also on Instagram. You can you can find me if you search for me. Love it. Awesome. Well, Google her, find her. Um, she's great. She's crushed in the Seattle area. And Rachel, I appreciate you and all the value you bring to our, to our group and uh, what, what we yeah, I mean, we've learned a lot on your end from what, what agents can do with these leads as well. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's been great. It's been getting to know you over the past few months, I, I would say has definitely changed my business. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. I appreciate it.